Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. You can learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, called Gospel Distortions. Apostle Paul writes, I am amazed, Galatians 1, 6, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you, Galatians 1, 7, and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I again say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. May the Lord write his word upon our hearts. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for This section, which is a strong warning section in the book of Galatians about not messing, not distorting, not diluting, not adding to or subtracting from the gospel. And this is a sobering text because it tells us that the gospel is of such importance that anyone who would preach a gospel contrary to the true one whether it's Paul and his companions, an angel from heaven. We could think of if Gabriel came down and preached a contrary message. If Paul and his companions did, or any other person, the message must be protected and preached accurately. Let them, Paul says, let them be accursed. The Greek word anathema, a strong warning, Lord. And it tells us how serious you are about your gospel being protected and preached accurately and simply. And the good news, Lord, is that the gospel is good news. It's great news. It's the greatest news of all. Jesus Christ paid our full ransom, paid the price in full at the cross. It is a free gift of grace. And I pray that those of us who may wrestle with that, maybe not fully understand it, Maybe it's been confused or distorted for us. We'd have the clarity that you want to bring us and the hope you want to bring us as a result. So we lay this time at your feet, Father. Pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit. You'd be pleased with what we do and that you'd be pleased as how we respond as well. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. The gospel is good news. That's literally what gospel means. It means good news. What is the good news? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, we are told the good news is that Jesus Christ, God the Son, entered into our pain, lived the perfect life that we could never live, died on a cross to bear our punishment, to take the wrath of God, to put God's love on display, died on Passover, buried on the Feast of First Fruits, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, raised on the Feast of First Fruits in fulfillment of prophecy. And anyone who will simply say, whether you're five years old or 85 years old, Jesus saved me, 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Salvation is a gift of God. It is not by works. It is not something that we can add to, we can produce, uh, keeping good rules. It's not about our diet. It's not about the way we dress. It's not any of that. It's about a free gift paid in full at the cross that can be yours simply for the asking. Now, what troubles some people about what I just said is they say something like this, can it be that simple? Can it simply be that whether you're five or 85 or somewhere in between, you could simply just ask Jesus to save you, believe on him, trust in him as best you can, and what that means to place your full trust in him for your salvation and him alone and be categorized as a saved person? Can you literally move from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, simply by a confession of faith? And the answer is yes. The answer is that the gospel is such good news that you could be dying in a hospital bed, dying on a cross next to the Messiah. You could, you could have a fatal injury, be in a car accident, and someone could preach the gospel in two minutes and say, there's good news, it's paid in full. Would you turn from your sin, turn from trying to do it your own way, and trust in God the Son's sacrifice for you at the cross and through the resurrection? And the Bible teaches that that is the answer. It's the biggest, greatest news of all, and it is so simple, but yet so profound. I've, been, I've spent the last 30 years studying the depth and the implications of it and turning the diamond of the gospel, but the gospel is so simple, I could preach it to a four or five-year-old and just say, trust in Jesus, and they could do it, and they would be as saved as I am saved, amen? That's the good news that we proclaim. But the, the trouble in the world, as happened from the time of Paul till the time now, is that people distort this simple gospel. They try to add to it. They try sometimes to detract from it, from the beauty of it and the excitement of it. And that's what today's message is about. This section, I would tell you, is foundational not only to the letter of Galatians, but to the whole New Testament. And Paul opens the section with amazement. If you take a look in verse 6 as we look at gospel distortions, Galatians 1.6, Paul says, I am amazed. If you have an ESV, it says, I am astonished. Uh, NIV says the same. The New King James says, I marvel that you, Galatian believers, represented in four churches that we put before you last week, are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ. Would you note it? to a different gospel. The word different is heteron in Greek. There's a word in Greek that means something that's uh, uh, similar, uh, a gospel, you could say, of the same kind. This Greek word is the gospel of a different kind. Scholars don't know if that's the technical meaning that people would have seen in the first century, but here you could say that the word different, a different gospel at the end of verse six, is qualitatively different. What they were preaching was something fundamentally different from what Paul first preached. And we studied some of that when he went into uh, synagogues in Acts 13 and 14 and began to preach the gospel. Now, let me remind you, if you weren't with us last week, or just by way of reminder, that the, the instigators here have been categorized, the people preaching the false message, the, the distorted gospel, as Judaizers. 
Now, you may have heard that, you may not have heard that before, but here's what this group represents. Uh, some people believe that they were believers in Jesus and added Jewish law to the gospel. Others say, how could they be believers preaching a false gospel and threatened with the curse of God? So I leave that to your own study, and I'm not sure if in the end that's the most important thing. But they were preaching a false message and saying something like this. They're saying, oh, Paul told you that you're saved by grace through faith. And they might be talking to a non-Jewish person who's called a Gentile. Oh, that's not the whole story. Yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. They may say they believe that. But here's the additional things that you need to do. And one of the main things that they presented was the idea of circumcision, keeping the food laws, keeping the Sabbath day, and basically becoming Judaized or moving as a non-Jew into Judaism. Now, here's why this is important. When Paul was first preaching, he would go into the synagogues first. There were three categories of people in synagogues, typically. Jews from a, a Jewish mom and dad. There were uh, proselytes. Those were people who converted to Judaism. Non-Jew met the God of Israel, believed in the Torah or the Old Testament, and made a conversion, went through a circumcision, went through perhaps a mikvah, which is ceremonial cleansing, similar to a baptism, began to practice the dietary kosher laws of Israel, began to honor the Sabbath at sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, began to go and worship in the synagogue and so forth. They would for all practical purposes, have become Jewish, but a proselyte, a convert to Judaism. Then the third category of individuals sitting in a synagogue typically was a God-fearer. If you've ever studied the book of Acts, chapter 10, Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion, was a God-fearer. He gave alms to the poor. He prayed. Uh, he helped the Jews build a synagogue. And the gospel was sent to Cornelius. Now, Cornelius, to our knowledge, did not go through a conversion, a circumcision, etc., but he was a God-fearer, and the gospel came to Cornelius. And here's what was essentially happening. The Judaizers were saying to people that came behind Paul after he left town, uh, you need to be circumcised to be saved. You need to keep the food laws to be saved. And Paul will say, if you flip over to Galatians 4, take a look at verse 10 with me. He's warning the Galatians, and he says these words. He says, you observe Galatians 4.10, days and months and seasons and years. Paul says, I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. If you have an NIV of uh, Galatians 4.11, it says, I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. That, that's a sobering word, isn't it? Paul says, I'm afraid that when I preach the good news of the gospel to you, back to Galatians one. I wasted my time. Now, the word I am amazed is uh, a word that's used often positively in the New Testament. In the Gospel of John, for example, and other Gospels, people were amazed at Jesus' teaching. Sometimes we could, we could say, that amazes me. We might be amazed at something that happened that's positive. But here, the amazement is a negative. Paul might say something like this in our modern language. He would say something like, you've got to be kidding me, or... I can't believe it, or how could you? One writer says, what could have prepared Paul for this heartbreak? 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Have you ever studied the book of Acts, chapter 10? Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion, was a God-fearer. He gave alms to the poor. He prayed. Uh, he helped the Jews build a synagogue. And the gospel was sent to Cornelius. Now, Cornelius, to our knowledge, did not go through a conversion, a circumcision, etc., but he was a God-fearer, and the gospel came to Cornelius. And here's what was essentially happening. The Judaizers were saying to people that came behind Paul after he left town, uh, you need to be circumcised to be saved. You need to keep the food laws to be saved. And Paul will say, if you flip over to Galatians 4, take a look at verse 10 with me. He's warning the Galatians, and he says these words. He says, you observe Galatians 4.10, days and months and seasons and years. Paul says, I fear for you that perhaps... I have labored over you in vain. You have an NIV of uh, Galatians 4.11. It says, I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. That, that's a sobering word, isn't it? Paul says, I'm afraid that when I preach the good news of the gospel to you, back to Galatians 1, I wasted my time. Now, the word I am amazed is uh, a word that's used often positively in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, for example, and other Gospels, people were amazed at Jesus' teaching. Sometimes we could, we could say, that amazes me. We might be amazed at something that happened that's positive. But here the amazement is a negative. Paul might say something like this in our modern language. He would say something like, you've got to be kidding me. Or, I can't believe it. Or, how could you? One writer says, what could have prepared Paul for this heartbreak? With his own blood, sweat, and tears through arduous travel just to get to this place, it was because of an illness that he first preached to them, probably something with his eyes. Paul had established these precious churches, Acts 13 and 14. 
only to see them abandon the gospel and thus shipwreck their faith. He is incredulous. He can hardly believe their unbelief. They essentially are moving away from the only hope that they have for forgiveness of sins. What a hard, emotional, personal, and painful thing. Have you ever had it happen to you? Have you ever had a, someone come to you, maybe a person that you discipled or mentored, grandchild, child, nephew, niece, friend, and they come to you and they look at you in the eye and they say, I no longer believe that Christian stuff. I'm not, I'm not gonna go to church anymore. I, I just don't believe that anymore. And sometimes when you have a child come to you that way, it's one friend at school who read something on the internet and said that there's some good argument for to debunk belief in God and now your, your child says, I'm an atheist. They probably know next to nothing, but that's how they've categorized themselves. I don't want to go to church anymore. There's been a couple of big stories in the Christian world of a man named Joshua Harris. He wrote a book called I've Kissed Dating Goodbye. He was telling people to only... Uh, uh, I think he was making the case for courting, but he was saying dating is unbiblical and irrelevant. And he wrote a book that was very influential, influential in the Christian world, being interviewed on Focus on the Family and all the big family programs. And now Joshua Harris is saying that he is no longer identifying himself as a Christian. But what's interesting is that Joshua Harris is also going through a divorce. And may I submit to you, brothers and sisters, without wanting to sound judgmental and by being fully aware that I could fall on my face tomorrow or tonight. Could it be that some people who abandon, in quotes, their Christian faith don't do it because they found some compelling argument that's debunked the Bible or some archaeological find that has proven that the Bible can't be true? Oh, quite to the contrary. Every time they find something in archaeology, it proves the Bible. But could it be that there are, there's a piece of this pie of people who defect, abandon the faith, that do it simply based upon moral, or should I say immoral, reasons? In other words, they want to do what they want to do. They want to do that's something that's contrary to the Bible. They want to go into this other lifestyle or be with this other person. And they know the Bible says, uh-uh, you can't do that. So what they say is, I'm no longer a Christian. I don't believe that stuff anymore. Therefore, I'm not accountable to it. And Psalm 14.1 says, the fool says in his heart, there's what? No God. But what, why does he say that? If you keep reading in Psalm 14, he does it based upon moral reasons. He's, he's, he's corrupt in his heart. And I'm not trying to broad brush here, but I would, I would submit to you that many of the stories that we hear are based upon just that. It's not some archaeological or theological reason. It's simply a moral or immoral reason to abandon the faith. Marty Sampson, one of the uh, co-worship leaders of Hillsong for years, is now questioning his Christian faith. I've been blessed by Marty Sampson over the years as he sung songs to God. I played the DVDs in my living room for my boys as, we were, as they were growing in the Christian faith. And Marty Sampson is now saying, well, maybe there's Maybe there's truth in other religions. Maybe Jesus isn't the only way. Now, I don't know what's going on in Marty Sampson's life, but I would submit to you that if we were to have the ability to scour the world and watch the defections that happen on a daily basis, 
I don't think we would be shocked or surprised to know that people probably walk away from the faith every day. Have you been hearing the statistics of uh, kids that grow up in Christian families, in youth groups, who go off to secular universities and now say they no longer believe? Oh, this is rampant. All the polls are coming in now saying if you send your child to a secular university, be prepared for them to come home without their Christian faith anymore. Well, how could that be, someone might say. And what are the dynamics spiritually that are going on? Were they never saved? Were they saved and lost their salvation? We're not gonna go there because that, that would take us all day to try to debate it and we still wouldn't solve it. And I would say that that's almost irrelevant for this particular passage because the warning is there nonetheless. And Paul says, I'm amazed. This idea of being amazed has the idea of shock with a mixed with rebuke is how you could put the, the Greek word. I can't believe that you are deserting so quickly the one who called you by the grace of God. The word deserting there is metatithemi in Greek. It means to transfer to transport, literally, or transpose. Two things, one of which is put in the place of the other. It means to change sides, turn away, fall away, or figuratively pervert. It means to change from, to abandon association or loyalty to. A synonym for this particular Greek word is the word apostasy, which is not an Italian dish, by the way. Apostasy literally means a defection or a desertion. If someone was in the military and deserted their post, they would be a deserter from the armed forces. This is the idea, one who changes their loyalty. They made a profession, they made a commitment, they made a covenant, if you will, and now they desert. And that's what Paul is saying. You guys have defected, or potentially the tense here is they're in the process of defecting to another gospel, a different gospel qualitatively. In the last days in 2 Thessalonians, if you turn over a few pages to your right, you'll get to First and 2 Thessalonians. These uh, letters have much of their themes have to do with the last days or the end times. Paul is talking about the day of the Lord to the Thessalonian believers, 2 Thessalonians 2, and he says this will be a characteristic of the last days. He says, 2 Thessalonians 2.3, let no one, 2.3, in any way deceive you. For it, the, it is the day of the Lord from the end of verse 2. The day of the Lord will not come unless what happens? The apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness, most scholars believe that's the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. And Paul says, five, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things. You've been listening to Gospel Distortions, part one on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 1, 6 through 10. And don't forget, you can view the video of this message on walkintruth.com. Hey, if you missed our 633 event on Sunday with Dr. Clay Jones, you can find that video on the website. Dr. Jones and Pastor Michael talk about the problem of evil and why God allows it. So it's an important conversation, and especially with the times that we're living in today. So uh, in addition to the video, 
we want to let you know that we'll be releasing the audio of the event on our podcast. So make sure you're following Walk in Truth wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, with all the other things that the pandemic has brought, it's brought an epidemic of both depression and loneliness. And I, I know a lot of you are probably feeling lonely because you've been alone. Makes sense, doesn't it? And sometimes we feel lonely even when we're with others. But if you live alone, if maybe you're a widow or a widower, you've uh, Christian radio has been your friend, but you've not been able to go to church. Maybe you've not been able to have uh, kids and grandkids visit you because of your unique situation. I just want to tell you that our heart goes out to you and we haven't forgotten about you and neither has the Lord. And I pray that the Lord will be your refuge and your strength, your ever-present help in time of need. If you do need anything, if you want someone to talk to or pray with, uh, please reach out to us. We're available here. Uh, normal office hours, you can reach out to us when you call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We have a pastor here Tuesday through Friday during normal business hours, and we'd be happy to talk with you and pray with you. Also, if you have any other sort of need, uh, Living Truth is here for you as a church, and uh, we'd be happy to take your prayer requests, for example, through our website at walkintruth.com. One more thing I'd like to mention is that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation is really appreciated by everyone here at the show. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter one, verses six through 10, called Gospel Distortions. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. 